Sunday after a holiday, you're sort of scattered all over the place. Maybe a lot of you wore out. We have a number of them at the Bethlehem Walk. I think all our youth was down there last night. Some of us were down there Friday night, so trust and pray that they too will be having a good time. Well, let's go before the Lord. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord, and God, you and you alone is what makes stuff alive. Words, songs, messages, Lord. Lord, and I pray that you would come. Holy Ghost, you are welcome to come into this place. Please make this place truly holy. Make it your sanctuary tonight, Lord, as we can bathe in the presence of Almighty God. We can be saturated in your presence, Lord. Lord, for we know that our joy and our strength only comes in you, God. Lord, we try to get it from other places, but Lord, they cannot and will never satisfy. I pray, Lord, that you would help us tonight, Lord God. Help us to recover from the week, the various holidays, and all that we've had to do. Lord, get focused on the things of God and the reason and the purpose that we are here. May your blessings stay upon New Hope, Lord. And like it was said this morning, may we continue to grow this church, this ministry, on Your Word and Your Word alone. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Okay, this morning or tonight's message has to do with kind of the uncertainty that uh, seems to be in our nation. Uh, I guess that's just the way it's going to be for a while. Maybe God has some plans that um, I might not have the faith to believe in or whatever. I'm not sure what God's doing, but there, there's an uncertainty. So I found this little picture and, and put that up there. And here's the key. Things I've been reading about and, and trying to um, deliver them to you so that you also can chew on this and this become a part of your life. So the title of tonight's message is, When Fear Takes Control. Okay, Fear, that is its prime uh, idea is it wants to take control of your life. Fear. Not the Word of God. Fear wants to come in. And at uncertain times, when things aren't so rosy and things aren't so good and they look kind of bleak, it's fertile ground for fear to produce its ugly fruit and to really make a mess out of our lives and even out of this ministry. So we're going to look at that. We're going to see how we can combat that, and see what it does if we permit fear. Every one of you are going to have to challenge this Goliath in your life. You're going to have to take him out. You cannot ignore Goliath as he screams in the valley and comes against you and your belief in God. You're going to have to take this Goliath out. So we all have it in different areas in our lives, personally and corporately as believers, as our world and out there gets darker and darker. Now we know that the Lord compares us to sheep. We see that in the Word of God, and I'll give you Scripture here in a minute. But I came across this story from this sheep farmer, and I want to read it to you. Because just as I read it to you, it's going to make sense to you and I as we live in kind of an uncertain, spooky, scary time. So he goes on and says, Many years ago, my wife and I had a sheep farm with about 70 female sheep some rams, and a lot of lambs. Every day the flock would travel back and forth on a narrow path, no wider than perhaps the pages in my Bible. Okay, so you can see the path that they would walk on. 
He says it was a fairly large farm, so the sheep would often venture way back to a forest area to find relief from the summer heat. Sometimes they would wait too long before returning home. As evening set in, they were no longer able to see the path. Once this happened, fear would begin to lead them. Remember, we are like sheep, according to the Word of God. If they didn't show up in the barn, I would usually grab a light and head out into the field to search for them. I actually found it quite humorous to watch them when they became fearful. The entire flock would huddle together, and I could literally sense the panic among them. Then all of a sudden, one sheep would dart off to the left, and the whole group of a hundred or so would follow, still in the huddle. They would run the width of the field until they ran into the fence. Unable to go any further, they would finally realize that that sheep that darted out didn't know actually where it was going. So the entire flock would stop and huddle again until suddenly another sheep would bravely dart out. It was almost like those stray thoughts that are in our minds that in a moment of fear we cry out, this is the way. So the whole flock would head out only to hit the fence again on the other side. This would continue until they utterly exhausted themselves. Fear will drive you in the ground. You're utterly exhausted. Finally, they would lie down on the grass and just try to pretend they were invisible. By the time I showed up, they would be so full of fear that it would take them a while to realize this was the man who would lead them to safety. Can you give me a bah? Amen. We should just have an altar call. I mean, that's the way we are. When you let fear, when fear starts to control your life, this is exactly what we do. We dart out and we try that and we dart out and we try this. And then we come across that thing and we go, I don't know. And you run that way. So now we're going to look at the Word of God. Just open up with a scripture that confirms us like sheep. Psalm 78.52 simply says, But God made His own people, that's you and I, to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. That word wilderness means uninhabited land. It's not Maple Avenue. It's not the well water plains. It's not the gray grass so high. It's uninhabited land. God makes us or compels us. He made His own people to go forth like sheep, and He guided them through this uninhabited land, land like a flock. So you can see the parallel from the little story I just read. So the Lord compares us, His followers, uh, to sheep. Now again, the title, remember? When fear takes control. God speaks to you, just like we heard this morning, in exact terms, exact words. He speaks specifically and precisely to you. And then the enemy comes and tells you, Hath God said? And there's the battle. And so he tries to come at you with fear. Here's a perfect example. 1 Samuel 15, 24, in the life of Saul, the king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. Remember, Saul was given precise, exact details. Don't do this until I get there. That's what Samuel said to him. Well, 
As time went by, fear started to rise. Murmuring started to rise. Disgruntledness, people getting angry. Fear started to build up inside of Saul. And he says, he went ahead and did what he wasn't supposed to do. And he tells Samuel this, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And he goes, and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So you could see what happens in the life of a king who was to bring victory to all his people. And God had set him up, give him exact, precise uh, uh, rules, or orders, I should say, to follow. Yet the circumstances started to gurgle and bubble and ooze over the pot and spill onto the fire and start to make a mess that, that Saul kept going, see if he's coming, see if he's coming. No longer trusting God's Word. He was moved by fear. Fear gripped him, controlled him, and he made a blunder instead of obeying God. And that's where we're at in this day and age right now. That's where you choose to listen to the news anymore or not. Because fear is now attempting to grip hold of the church, the people of God. Which I believe is is probably the the last stand for our nation. As feeble as we are, we're what's between the living and the dead in our nation. The darkness and the light. And now the attack will come on the church. And so the enemy brings out his big guns, which is fear, to get you to blunder. Now fear is a powerful weapon, and you better know it. 1 John 4.18 tells us, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Now look here, it says, because fear hath torment. It does. When fear grips you, it's never a pleasurable feeling. It's never, oh, this is wonderful. It's nothing like that. When fear grips you, you can break out in sweats. You can have panic attacks. You can faint. You can collapse. You can cry emotionally. You can kick things and run. You don't know what to do. And that's exactly what Saul did, is he just trembled under this fear and became afraid. And then now he's struck with this fear that has torment. That word torment is a powerful word. It's an agonizing kind of fear, which robs our soul of joy, listen, and confidence in God and in His Word. We can become so fearful and so twisted in a certain circumstance that we can't even make sense of the Word of God. And this is what the enemy's job is, is attempting to do to try to bring so much fear upon the church that he can take control. When we find ourselves in difficult places, we are often tempted to run away or run on every just little thought or idea that we might, that might enter our mind. Not filtered through and sanctified by the Holy Word of God, but just something that comes into our mind. Try this! Run that way! We begin to allow the fear rising up in our hearts, and then it starts to lead us. No longer being led by the tried and true Word of God, being led but by fear. Just like the one sheep says, I'm going to run this way, and then we all follow. And then we just run into another wall. 
looking for a way out. Now, which typically means when fear rises up inside of us and starts to, to lead us, it means that we're going to end up in the wrong place. Do you understand this little path? It's a perfect illustration. About as wide as your Bible, when it's opened up, the sheep would find that on their own and come right back to the barn and be safe inside the barn. When panic struck them and they would run from one field, one side of the fence to the other side of the other side of the fence on the field, they would run over that little path. Not one of them said, hey, hold it! They would run in fear and panic and bam, into another fence. And this is what the enemy's uh, wanting to do to the people of God, whether it's corporately as the church, the final stand maybe in America, or individually as people. Whether it's that stinking call from the doctor. Where I, uh, they excel in torture. Won't tell you anything. Said we need to see you right away. Oh, hello, this is Dr. Sonia. Yeah, do you have a heart doctor? Why? What are you talking about? I can't tell you. Really, they all, they all need choked or something. They do. They, 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 and then you go there and you got to sign everything in case it goes wrong. They just, it's total, uh, place where faith almost can't live. So we, we run and we end up in the wrong place. That's why it's so critical to recognize fear as a powerful weapon when it attempts to grip you. And then when you do sense it and, it's, and you can disarm it before it does compel you to run. Run from God. You just can't seem to get it. You just don't seem to understand. You're in panic mode and you run. Told that story for years. I don't know. I can't remember the last time I told you. One time I went hunting for deer in the mountains of PA. Got totally lost and turned around. Did everything they told me not to do. Everything, everything down as if I was looking at a list and didn't care what they said. Don't panic. I panicked. Don't run. I ran. Don't shoot all your bullets. I shot all my bullets. I ran so far, so hard, I fell in the water in uh, December in the hills of PA. Gun and all, in the water. Lunch, fell out of my thing, floating down the water. Panic totally. That's what the enemy wants to do. When fear takes control, then you dart out and you run. And you always end up in the wrong place. 1 Corinthians 10.11 tells us something very important. It says, now all these things that happen unto them for in samples, or means examples. All what things? Look here. All these things. All these things in here are for our examples. What to do and what not to do. In here. We find it in these pages. Like we were told this morning. Now all these things happen unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So we're going to look at this and find another example that God gives us through the children of Israel. That scripture confirms to us that we are to learn how they functioned, what they did, what to do, and what not to do. They had been marvelously, unbelievably delivered from many years of bondage, which was it, 400 years under a hard, sinful taskmaster, Pharaoh. 
Like many of us today, we have been delivered, our lives have been delivered from types of bondages that we have been under, and God has set us free from Egypt, which is a type of the world. Set us free, just like he did to all the Egyptians after 400 years. Remember? No straw, more bricks. And then he would beat them and beat them until they did their job. Now listen, here's something you should remember. The most powerful army known to man in the world at that time was the Egyptian army, and they could not keep God's people captive. Under all their fear tactics and all their muscle and all their high tech, they could not keep them. You understand? It doesn't matter what the terrorists do, what our own government does, they do not have more power than our God. None whatsoever. It's a fear tactic. Christ will keep us. Your job is make sure you are a true children of God. You're a true child of God. You're not going to falter or fail if you are. You're not. You will not. But remember, you can't go around like just some bozo. You've got to have some wisdom. You've got to have some understanding of the Word of God. Absolutely critical for you to recognize fear when it comes your way as a powerful weapon turned towards you by the enemy. Torment. That word torment means punishment. Punishment. The enemy wants to punish you. You understand? Not just hit you once and knock you out and walk away. No, he wants to punish you. He wants to keep hitting you. He wants to punish you through this fear. Torment is described like a progression or a method. It's not just a boo. You really scared me. No, it's a plan. It's a method. So that he can get you at any time he desires. So it's not merely an, uh, uh, an effect from something. Oh, I'm afraid of dogs. No, it's a progression. It's a plan. It's a method so that he can punish you and torment you. Fear has a process. If you let it get a hold of you, a progression, a series of actions. It could be a, a deepening hole you feel like you're falling in, a sinking feeling, a series of actions, and the enemy goes, we got them. It works to the good, to the other side of the coin. Remember when Israelites were coming in and they were whooping up on every little city that was in front of them? And then when they get done defeating that city, they'd look to the next city, and the people, the inhabitants of that city says, man, our hearts melted in us when we knew you were coming. So it goes both ways. They had the fear of God on them, and they felt that dread. Tonight, we're talking about the fear that we face as Christians in this nation that seemingly has turned its back on the things of God and the morals of God and the Word of God. And so now you and I have got to take out the Goliaths that are going to come into our lives, whatever they are. Now look, any fear that has not been dealt with where all of a sudden it's going to manifest itself in your heart when the pressure's on. And when the pressure's on, you're going to have wrong reasoning that's going to lead to wrong actions. That's going to end up with wrong conclusions if you don't deal with them. Remember, before David took out Goliath, what did he have to take out? He had to take out the lion and the bear. He had to deal with various things before he came to the champion of the enemy. 
And you cannot get trust in God by reading a book. You cannot get trust in God by watching a YouTube video of a godly man. The only way you get trust in God is you find yourself in a place where there's no hope. That nothing, and yet God carries you through. Then your trust will start to grow. They were miraculously and wonderfully delivered from Egypt. You listen to this now as we get another example. To wrong reasoning, wrong conclusion, following fear. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I've had it, I've had them come upon me. Fearful moments, fearful things, whether it's something personally, whether it's something about the ministry, whatever. It's almost like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I gotta get my breath here. I gotta get my breath. I gotta get focused again. Exodus 14, 11, it says this, and they said unto Moses, remember, this great, tremendous deliverance now from God. Now they're, they're just out just a few days. And they said unto Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou not dealt with us with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? So here all of a sudden they come out of Egypt, the great deliverance, and they're not quite delivered all the way out yet, and they see the enemy coming after them. And what sets in is fear and panic. Sets in, and all of a sudden, the word of God and the power of God's out the window. Look at their reasoning. It's because there's no graves out here you brought us. Listen to the voice of wrong reasoning as we read the next one. Verse 12, they said this, Is not this the word that we told you in Egypt? Saying, let us alone. Listen to what they're saying. That we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians. That's fear speaking. Better? There's generation of generation after generation and slaves. You guys holding all those little babies. Slaves. Beaten to go gather sticks and straw to make bricks. To build Pharaoh's house bigger. All of a sudden fear grips them and they're saying, that's better. What? Oh yeah. I think that's what a lot of us probably would do. If you let fear control your life and grip it. You'll say things and do things. You'll be shocked yourself. When the pressure really comes on, you know what's going to happen? Those of us that are too weak and we cave, we're going to squeal on the other. That's a true believer. We're going to, we're going to tell on each other. When fear, that's what fear does. That's why you cannot let it rain and roll in your heart. Defeat it now. Defeat it tonight. Defeat it tomorrow. Every time it comes around, whatever it does, and every time it's going to be a difficult situation and you're not going to have the answer. You're going to have to go, I don't know, God. Live or die, whatever happens, I'm going to trust you. Whether it's your job, whether it's your help, whether it's your child. It's what you have to do. So here he is. Moses came with a word from God to them. Let my people go. And they're rejoicing and jumping and throwing jewelry and gold at them. They're gathering up. Not one feeble person left Egypt in no time at all, not dealing with that fear. It just bubbled up any time it wanted. And they're going, Moses, we have a word for you. Leave us alone. Man, where'd that come from? From fear. And they turned on Moses. 
2 Timothy 2.25, powerful, powerful, powerful Scriptures. Look in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. All those people screaming at Moses, you probably wouldn't be able to prove it to them at that time, but they were opposing themselves, saying it's better for us never to have lived. Better for me to live and die in Egypt than to follow you out here. But God said, I don't care what God, back there. We're like, what? These people, they oppose themselves. So in meekness, you try to instruct those that oppose themselves. It says, if God pre-eventually will give them repentance. This is something to repent over. To the acknowledging of the truth. We oppose ourselves when we act out of fear rather than obeying the Word of God. And you understand, when whatever might hit the fan, it's not going to be a crowd. It's going to be you. The crowds always go against God. And so when the sheep dart out and run that way that you think they're sheep, you, you can't. I'm not going. You'll be tempted, you'll weep, you'll cry, whatever, and you'll say, ah, I'm not going, I'm not going. 26 says this, 2 Timothy 2.26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Very powerful Scripture. And one of his tactics is fear. And he might say, for the sake of the Jones family, is getting stirred up. The Smith family really getting a hold of God. Jangle them! Do something! So that fear sets in and he's got him again. Because they've never dealt with that filthy, fearful giant screaming at him. You dog. You know what? I've had it. Whether I die or not, I'm going after you. Instead, the enemy just comes. It's like he cuffs you, and he's got you again. That's exactly what this word means, taken captive by him at his will. Now, they're getting too lively there. Do something. Move upon the government. Let them post something on the door, and they'll be done. Because they'll all be afraid. That's why it's essential that the times that we have in our church and various places wherever you seek God and gather whatever is that you come to God all the time saying God let me recognize that voice let me tear down again ladies when the ladies Bible study starts up again the battle of the mind unbelievable that's where it all is just a thought last night sound asleep Kind of just had one of the one of them flash dreams, you know, like don't remember a beginning, you don't remember an end, you don't remember a reason why. Just had that flash thing, and and I came up out of bed and looked for my wife, and she was there, sound asleep, and it, it, it just unnerved me. It's not like I could just fall back to sleep again. I mean, I'm sleeping, sound asleep, and so the, the enemy will use various tactics on us all the time. And what I did that day, I just called back in bed and said, fine, fine. I just started praying for certain people in here. You know, those are better than uh, sleeping pills. You start praying for people and the enemy goes, rock a <laughs> It's the truth. But that just happened. 
And I'll tell you what, it happened a couple nights in a row. It just happened to me. This is uh, too many days, Mitch. Uh, uh, through the wee hours of this morning, another one of them just flashed things and unnerved me. Sometimes I'll get up and go lay on the couch and turn the old channel on, 55 or whatever it is on your channel, and put it down to where I hardly even hear anything. Just create some light and some noise, and I'll go back to bed. Things that unnerve, because fear attempts to get a hold of, and then causes you not to see right, think right, hear right, and make horrible decisions. Do you understand? God led the Egyptian, or God led the Israelites right down that cul-de-sac, right down that dead end. He knew it. God will lead us, you and I, where there's no way of escape. He just will. The only way of escape was the way you came in, and the Egyptian army has that all filled up. And God will do that, and He's done that with this as a ministry, and He's done that with us as people. This is just part of learning to trust God. This is what He does. Sometimes we think... uh, that Satan is just going to like give up on us and let us go easily. As if he, you know, he's not going to bother us at all. Once we get out of his kingdom, he's going to forget about us. But he's not. It's not what he does. Just like Pharaoh. Remember, Pharaoh ran after Israel. Okay, you won that battle, but I'm going to win the war. And off he went after them. And that's what the enemy does to you. You might get out of his kingdom, give your heart to God. And things go okay for a while, but he's gathering his troops and he's going to come back after you. He'll leave us for a season at times, the Bible tells us. He wants you to fret. He is like the number one terrorist. He invented it. And it's your job to combat it by truth, which is the Word of God. And you must combat it by the Word. Fear will always try to rush in and say, I told you so. How many times you've gone to bed thinking, man, I'm going under. I'm going under. I'm going to die. Ministry's going to die. Everybody's going to die. Or whatever's, whatever's, I'm not going to have a job when I get up. Whatever. You just go to bed thinking life's over. And then the enemy's going, I told you so. He's on your case. That's exactly what fear does. And so you always got to be ready for that kind of stuff. Especially now, it's obvious that things are different in our land. It's just obvious. And I think God, I'm trusting God, His mercy and grace, that we can just suck it up and step it up and start to realize it. Okay, you know, all that grace period seems about <laughs> to be about run out, about over. And, and we just have to know our Word. Remember when they were rebuilding the wall? They had the sword on and the guy behind them with the sword watching. That's where we're at now. We've got to continue to build the wall, continue to win people for Christ, but we have to be a little more vigilant now, a little more sober in what we're doing, a little more wiser in how we do it. And realize that we do have an enemy. And he really has attacked the word like we heard and wants to really water it down that we do have all these 15 different ideas about the word. And there's really only one. Look, God has not created me, redeemed me, and called me 
without his intent is for me to finish this course. Finish this race. He has. And he will do that to you and I. We will be able to finish this race. Now listen to this stuff. Because two go, I wanted to write it down. Fear will cause you to embrace wrong reasoning. You'll just start to, what? Are you kidding? I don't know. Um, I don't think we should. This in turn then will lead you to wrong conclusions. Just like Saul. Well, I did it because I, I, I feared the people. Wrong reasoning, wrong conclusion. So it gives you the wrong conclusion about the faithfulness of God. And then you're somewhere in left field where God told you never to be. Because you thought it was safer out here because fear drove you out here and you're being driven actually by a selfish mode out into a place where God told you never to be. So our idea is we must address these wrong conclusions before they lead you to wrong actions. People conclude some things and they do some things and like, well, what are you, what? What are you doing? Well, I, I thought. And then what happens if you stay in that so long, you, you develop a, 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 it develops to be a, a way of life of doing things wrong. Wrong reasoning, wrong conclusions, wrong actions, and a wrong way of life then develops. And you're, you're living out there where there's like no presence of God in the land of Nod. Because fear, remember, it's ideas to punish you. Agonizing, deep sinking, feeling, draining, crazy. Whoa! Not to just, boo, and you're scared. Ooh. No, it's torment. That's what the enemy's plan is. So obviously, the way the Lord stops this whole progression of wrong reasoning. Wrong conclusions is wrong action is by trusting the Word. I mean, we just kind of like say this over and over and over in different formats. But when Goliath comes and he screams, there's no one else going to be there with you. But the Word. And trying to run to the Word in fear, I guess that's better than nothing, but I doubt if you'll get the answer you need. When Goliath's coming with his 300 pound of armor after you, you got to have this stuff in you now. Like tonight, when you come to the altar, God, please let me recognize it and let me not panic. Let me see the intent. See through it for why it's come against me. And God, give me strength. David didn't go out there because he did uh, PX90. Crying out loud. Where's all that at now? He went out there what? He says, I come to you. In the name of the Lord. And God gave him unbelievable power and wisdom and aim and everything to do what he had to do. You know what? And sometimes all you're going to get is a word. You're not going to get a book. You're going to get a word, maybe. Maybe it'll be wait. Just that word alone. I don't know what I'm, what it's going to be, but sometimes God just gives you a, a simple word. Not now. A phrase. Maybe a verse. And it all boils down to this. Are you going to believe it? Or are you going to run? And that's, that's where it is. As all the enemies always doing his thing and the wrong people get elected and the wrong laws come into pass and everything is against us and now we're the minority now. 
God speaks this word and says, Fear ye not, stand still, still and see the salvation of the Lord. And you have to decide. You're going to believe that? God, I'll believe it to my grave. Or get ready to hit the fence. Bam! And you'll hit another one. There's a move of God over there. Where? And off you go. Follow some other dumb sheep. So as we go before the Lord tonight, none of us are made of what it takes. You know, absolutely none of us. You know, I mean, some of you might have never lost a fight. Some of you might have never had a fight. It has nothing to do with those fights. Nothing at all. This is a supernatural fight that's won on your knees. Supernatural fight that's won in submission to God, saying, God, I can't do this, but my eyes are on you. So let's stand and let's, let's get ready for just some time here at the altar. And so that if God permits us a great harvest in this area and decides to use this church, that we like sheep won't be huddled somewhere in the back pasture pretending to be invisible. Or when the Lord starts to talk to us, we don't say, is that God? I don't think so. I don't think that's the one we can trust. When God always says, my sheep know my voice. What's His voice? This is it. This is His voice. Fear. Smoke and mirrors. The best technology to spook you, scare you, and cause you to run. Stand upon the Word of God and just trust God. And then do the work of God. You understand, this is not time to hunker down in a hole and, and buy your 50 pounds of dried bananas. It's not time. It's time to reap the harvest. It's time to be in the fray, not afraid of the fray. Naturally, we hide. Supernaturally, we do unbelievable things with God. Supernatural. Ask Gideon. Who was hiding? What did he have? A candle and a pitcher. God says, great. Ask David. What did he have? Oh, just this jawbone of a donkey. Great. Ask the hope. What do we have? Just this place right here. God says, awesome. Awesome. So let's come to the altar. Spend some time with God. Whether it's a personal attack, fear, just a condition of the world you see, whether it's the church that scares you, or whether it's the person in the mirror that scares you, just come to this altar. We will be led by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God. Teach your children to pray. Teach them. Resist the enemy and he'll flee.